Welcome to the podcast for Wenton Baptist Church. I pray God uses this message to bless you in Jesus' name. Well, we are uh, going to be starting a new series uh, this morning, and uh, it's going to help us understand uh, several aspects of the character of God. And these uh, traits are a bit more nuanced uh, than you might think. Our series this morning is called God Sense, because we will have a better sense of who God is. And in one way, uh, and for this morning, we're going to look at a way uh, of the senses of God, uh, so to speak. So I'm going to be speaking at times of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And also, we're going to look at, a, it's going to be a really a bird's eye view of certain characteristics of God. And this morning, we're going to look at how, believe it or not, how God smells, uh, how God hears, how God sees, and how God knows us. Now, the last one really is not a sense, of course, but it does, in fact, involve the sum of all of those other senses that we're going to be talking about. So what I want to focus on this morning and, and dial in is our God sense. Well, who is God to us and who are we to God? Do we have a God sense? And so do we sense God? Does God how does God sense us? How does he know us? And so I want to focus on the, the idea of this morning that, uh, of that God is pleased with us. God takes pleasure in us. God delights in us. And, and another way of, of uh, understanding this is God receives pleasure from his creation. He is pleased by those that he loves and, and, that, and those that love him. You know, he is pleased by a sinner that rep- repents. He is pleased by someone that loves God, and God is pleased by you when you love him. Now, scripture uses language uh, to describe the actions of God. And, you know, God sees, God hears, even God smells, and we call that anthropomorphic. Okay, that's a big word. It basically means man-shaped, anthropomorphic, man-shaped. So uh, scripture uses language that is anthropomorphic. Uh, It's simply an attribution of a human uh, emotion or trait or characteristic uh, to God. But but that's, that's the way that we describe it. God was really the one who created us in his image, not the other way around. Follow me here. Uh, when God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, all this was made clear to us. Jesus was God in the flesh. So we began to understand God hurts. God, uh, he, he bleeds. He, he was 100% man and 100% God. Uh, but you see, this is a mystery to us. Though we can't understand the character of God himself. And that's what this morning is about. You see, God gave us five senses. Uh, sight, smell, taste, touch, uh, and hearing. And so the, the, the question we pose is, what well, can, can God relate? God's, uh, so to some of us, God's this, this ethereal something in the sky, God in the sky that, you know, does he relate? Can he relate to us? He's this all-powerful, all-omniscient God. How can he relate to us humans here on this earth? Well, let me tell you, through the cross, he did. Through the birth of Jesus Christ, God related to us. He, He tasted, he touched, he heard, he saw, he smelled. God wanted to relate to us. Now, he didn't have to. He had to relate to us, but he chose to. And this brings me to my, our idea for today's message. 
God is pleased with his children. That's the message of the Bible. God is love. He loves us. And so many of us need to hear this message this morning that God loves us right now. You know, maybe some of you are not feeling very loved right now. You're in the midst of the pandemic and, and you're closed in, you're locked down, whatever. You're at home and, and you're just not feeling very loved right now. And you, you feel a constant drumbeat of the news. It's bad, 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 fear, fear, fear. And you're not sensing love right now. Well, I want to encourage you and tell you, put all that aside. God loves you. God loves you so much. He has a, a, a wonderful plan for your life, even right now in the midst of where you are. Some of us think that God, is, God just wants to destroy us and God's coming to get us and he wants to just uh, ruin our plans. And, and if we worship God, we follow God, then we're not going to have fun. God's going to take all our fun away. Let me tell you, following God is, a, is the most fun thing I've ever done. Being a Christian, following Christ, is the most exciting thing that has given me the greatest joy ever. And I can't imagine anything else apart from following Jesus. And we understand also that there's a place for God's wrath and God's judgment. God's going to come to judge the world one day. God can't look upon sin and, and not do anything. But we have hope. What about hope? For those people, well, God's going to judge them one day, and whether one, whether one way or another, we're all going to acknowledge the love of God, either in, in glory or in shame. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to say, yes, Lord, you are the king of glory, you are the great judge. Or we're going to say, yes, Lord, you are the judge, and you're going to judge my sin. You see, but we're going to focus on this morning that God is pleased with his children in, in several ways. And here's the first way. God is pleased, watch this, by the incense of the saints. God smells us, okay? Uh, did you ever think that God had a sense of smell? Uh, well, there's a verse in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, that, that points to this. and talks about the lamb on the throne in heaven, uh, the, scene, the scene of heaven. Watch this. Verse, verse uh, 8 says this of Re Revelation chapter 5. It says, when he took the scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and, a, and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. So we have this image in heaven of a bowl filled with incense. And, and this means that God is pleased with our prayers. The bowls are the bowls of incense represent the prayers of who? The saints, the believers, Christians, you and I, if you're a believer in Christ. Uh, there's literally a, a bowl of incense in heaven that, that Scripture, according to Scripture, is at the throne of God that the 24 elders uh, are holding and casting down before the Lamb. And so these represent prayers. And so I have to think in my mind immediately, wow, some of those prayers or some of that incense in that bowl, is, they're so, they should be some of my prayers. I hope some of my prayers are, and I know some of my, of my prayers are being heard. I know all of my prayers are being heard by God if they are in according to his will. But I, I'm immediately convicted by that verse. How many of my prayers fill that bowl of incense before the throne of heaven? Really, how many of my prayers go before the throne? Understand that this anthropomorphism here, God is not literally interested in smelling incense. That's not his goal. Uh, 
though this is what is used to describe the prayers of the saints. Now, there's, there's many ways to pray in the New Testament, many ways uh, to pray in the Old Testament. How we pray is thanksgiving, and we pray prayers of praise. We pray prayers for peace. We pray for uh, prayers for others' needs and healing and, and uh, forgiveness and dependence and so on. This is how God prescribed us to relate to him. That's how he wants to do that. So with this in mind, uh, he has these these bowls of incense that talk about the prayers of the saints. So how are we praying to God? How are we filling those bowls of of prayers to God? Is God pleased with us? Now, the, the God of the Old Testament had people burn cows and bulls and even incense on an altar. What was that all about? Uh, it's not about God smelling burning carcasses of bulls and cows. It's not, it's not about that or, or, or a dead animal. But it was about the sacrifice behind the offering. Do you follow me? It was about the sacrifice behind the offering. It was also about the prayer behind the incense. It's always been a, about what action was behind the action, if that makes sense. An outward action demonstrated by a more deeper, more intentional action. Many times the incense burning, sometimes uh, the, the priest, they would just be going through the motions. I'm going to burn this incense today. It's, it's incense burning time. And so they would do that. And it says in scripture, God was displeased with that. It's not, that's not the point. It's not the point of going through a rote memorization or a rote saying, uh, you know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Please, I, I beg you, don't do the rote things that we just get tired of don't, don't do it. I'd rather you not do it than, than go through it and just go through the motions. You need to teach your children, teach your family, lead your family to, say, to pray sincere prayers all the time. God doesn't want us to just go through the motions. That's not what he's about. He wants us to be sincere in, in what we do, to be deeply sincere. And so, but also God is pleased with our sincere prayers, our intentional prayers. It's as if he smells these fragrant prayers that are so pure and so God-honoring that they are like incense in a bulb that is before the throne of the Lamb. That if you would imagine this smell wafting up before uh, King Jesus, that Lord, Lord Almighty, it pleases him so much for us to pray in, in this manner. Now, th- there are some who are in, in sensitive in the area of smell, uh, and, and they have certain senses that are, uh, they have a heightened sense of certain things. And some can see better, some can hear better, some can smell better, and some maybe can touch better. Uh, I'm one of those people who have a heightened sense of smell. Maybe perhaps because I have, my vision is limited to somewhat and my hearing is limited to somewhat. But boy, I, I can smell. I really can. I have this heightened sense of smell. Uh, you know, I went to, uh, there was an instance one time I was with my son at Walmart, and I was looking for the bread. Well, I can't, couldn't find the bread, couldn't see where the aisle was, but I smelled it. I smelled it before I even saw it. Several, you know, right around the corner before the aisle, I smelled the bread. This must be the bread aisle. Sure enough, I started going down the, the aisle, and there was the bread. I smelled the bread. Uh, e- even we were at the mall one time, and I was on the third floor of the mall, and I smelled this Cinnabon. Wow, where is that coming from? And my, my wife and my son couldn't believe that I smelled the Cinnabon. And so we, we, we went looking for it. And so we went looking for it, and it was on the bottom floor of the mall. How in the world could I smell a Cinnabon that far away? I don't know. It's just my heightened sense of smell. Now, uh, 
the, the, you know, the smell goes up in the mall. It's pleasing. You know, where's it coming from? But so when we pray, you can be assured we get God's attention. Just like that bread got my attention, that Cinnabon got my attention. Uh, oh, Johnny's praying a sincere prayer. That's so wonderful. Just look at what Johnny is doing. He's so humble. He's truly obeying me. He's seeking me out. That's so pleasing to me. Now, you know, confess your faults to one another. James 5.16 says this. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Much. I bet you this is the first time you've ever heard a preacher talk about Cinnabons and prayer. Well, maybe that'll be the last. But God is honored in our prayer to him. God wants us to, to pray to him. He's pleased with that. It's like an aroma to heaven to him. Not only is God pleased by our prayers, but he is pleased by the good words that we speak. God hears us. Uh, in Psalm 34, 15, and 16, it says this. The psalmist writes this. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. Now, have you ever wondered if God hears your prayers? Have you ever felt like you were alone, perhaps, and, and nothing was getting through? I'm just not going to pray today. Why, why even bother? Bother? God's not going to hear my prayer. This doesn't seem like God's been answering my prayers lately, so I'm just, I'm just going to pass on praying today. You ever felt like that? Uh, you know, there's an idea that, yes, God hears all of our prayers. That's God's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it. So in that sense, God hears all things. But when God really hears our prayers, well, what's going on? We are praying according to his will. We are praying according to the will of God. That's the prayers that God hears. And now that means many things. Uh, we, we don't have uh, any unconfessed sin in our life. We've confessed our sin. That, that's a barrier. Sin is a barrier to prayer. So if we have any unconfessed sin, uh, it's just not going to happen. God's not going to hear our prayers like we want him to or answer our prayers in that regard. Uh, you know, uh, sin is a barrier and the sinner trying to get to God. We might say the only thing, the only prayer that a God hears from a sinner is the prayer of repentance. Now, there are instances in Scripture where God heard the prayers of a pagan king and a, perhaps a pre-Christian uh, people. So it's better to say God hears that which is according to his will. Sin blocks hearing, uh, hearing God hearing us and answering us accordingly. But it comes from a true awareness of just how far sin can separate us from God that brings us to our knees and forces us to say to God, God, I need you. I confess. I repent. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to use my words, God, to please you. You see, Christ is the bridge that allows our words to please God. And so we are, we are only righteous in Jesus Christ. We must acknowledge this always. Jesus Christ is the bridge to God. If we don't, if we ignore his gift of righteousness to us, and therefore our, our prayers go unanswered because of our refusal to confess, to repent, to humble ourselves, to plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, then our prayers won't be answered how we expect. Now, how does God answer prayers of, of those that are in accordance with his will? Sometimes he says, yes, I will answer your prayer. And that's great. And we see evidence of God answering our prayers. Uh, sometimes he'll say no. Those are some of the hardest prayers to, to take in. God said no to my prayer. What does this mean? 
Christian, it means, it means you need to be obedient. You need to submit to God's will when he says no. When he says no, you don't go the other way. You don't rebel against God's plan. That's a dangerous place to be. Well, I'm rebelling. God said no, but I'm going to go my own way. You go your own way at your own peril. Um, and and you, when there's pride in, your, pride in your heart, a false coming, the scripture says. Maybe there's a, uh, an answer of a not yet. Uh, not yet. It's not God's timing. God's timing is always perfect. So we need to wait on, on God to answer our prayer and be patient and be humble and show humility uh, with God. Well, I was hiking in the Appalachian Trail with a group of teens and college students one time, and I needed to excuse myself. And so I went to the woods and I uh, went away from everyone and wa- walked a good distance there. I wanted to get away. And they were going to kind of hang back for me or whatever. And, and uh, I headed back to the group and, and lo and behold, I couldn't find them. I literally, literally couldn't even find the trail that, that was the Appalachian Trail. I just couldn't find it. And I was in the big forest. I was lost, really lost. And so I was getting a bit concerned. And so what did I do? I yelled as loud as I could, hey! I, I called out the name of one of the folks in the group. All right, can you come back? You know, come back. And I screamed as loud as I could. Nothing. I listened. Nothing. I screamed again, hey, I need help. Help, help. I screamed as loud as I could, nothing. But I said, well, that's not working. I need to get in contact with somebody. I'm going to be camping in here by myself for a a long while. And so I had this whistle. So I took my whistle and I blew it three times. And that's the signal for for being uh, uh, in a state of emergency. You blow it three times. You blow it three times. And so I blew it as loud as I could three times. And I listened and I heard a whistle come back. Oh, somebody heard me. They communicated with me through their another whistle. So the whistle was the key for me to getting back with the group. The whistle was the key for me, for the, for the group, to hear my, my cry for help. You see, when we cry out to Jesus, he is our whistle to God. He is our way back home. God hears us through Jesus Christ. Can you have such confidence? Does God hear me? Does he? In Jesus Yes, he does. He hears us. Apart from sin, yes, he hears us. According to his will, yes, he hears us. God hears us and is pleased with our words if they're according to the will of Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 state, state it this way. This is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything, watch this, according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So we can have confidence that God hears us. God is pleased with us if it is according to his will. God is pleased by our prayers. He's pleased by the good words we speak when he hears us. And also, God is pleased by the righteous actions of our lives. God sees us. He does. There's a word, there's a verse here in 2 Chronicles 16:9 that says this. For the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. He says to the king in this passage, You have been foolish in this matter, therefore you will have wars from now on. And this is a passage uh, in the Old Testament where there was a prophet that came to uh, a king, a southern king in the southern nation in, in, in uh, Judah. And so a, a prophet, Azariah, this is the only time the prophet's mentioned in, in the Bible, 
prophet Azariah comes to the, uh, excuse me, Hanani, he, he comes to the king and he says, hey, you, you were faithful at once. What happened? Uh, you, you were devoted to, to me. What You were devoted to God. What happened? Because you're no longer devoted to me, guess what? Uh, you're going to have wars from now on. So King Asa of the southern kingdom had at one time trusted in God to, what, to do what? To fight his battles. We want God to fight our battles for us, right? And so he trusted in God. He had even dedicated the temple artifacts to the, to the, the, the sanctuary for God. Uh, yet there was a, a later time in his life, watch this, where his devotion to God was fading. We've all been there. We've kind of all faded away a little bit. Our, our, our walk is not as, as close as it needs to be. And for some reason, we just get that spiritual drift. Uh, we're not as close to God as, as we used to be. That, that, that is an uh, a interesting place to be, and God wants you to come back to him. And, and so for King Asa, because he had spiritually drifted away from the Lord, what did he do? He began to, to sell the, the temple artifacts that he had once dedicated to God. He, he began to sell them to other kings. He began to bribe other kings. And so that was a, a far cry from where he was. God saw what he was doing. He saw with his eyes. And he went to him. He sent a prophet to him and said, you know what? The eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth. God's looking all over the earth to find those who were strong towards those who were wholeheartedly devoted to him. Wholeheartedly devoted to him. God is looking for those who are fully devoted to him. God is pleased by the righteous actions in our lives. It pleases God to see us live righteously before him. Not as a way to earn his favor. Uh, we can't earn, earn any, our, our way to God. But as, but as a result, that it truly pleases God. He sees the way we live. We can't hide anything from God. Uh, the scripture says, be sure your sin will find you out. It will. Your sin will find you out. We cannot hide anything from God. So that should make us very aware that, that God's judgment is coming against our sin, but also he sees us as we live righteously before him. And it's not a way of earning his favor. We must understand that God sees our actions. How will we finish in life? King Asa wasn't doing so great of a job of finishing well in, in life. He wasn't. He had uh, drifted from God. So how will you finish in life? Are you going to finish strong? Are your actions, are you going to finish well in life? It's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? God wants you to finish well in life. There were two famous evangelists, two friends in history. Uh, one that you know well, Billy Graham. Uh, and he had a friend named Charles Templeton. In the 1940s, they were, they were uh, on fire for Christ. They were evangelists. They were traveling the world for a ministry called Youth for Christ and flying all over the world to lead youth crusades. And uh, Char Charles and Billy were, were great friends. Uh, he was known as Chuck to, to Billy. And so Billy Graham was just beginning to be an, a budding evangelist. And that we know that God would use mightily. And, and, and Chuck also was uh, on the circuit as an evangelist and a very passionate, very good speaker. And so uh, Billy Graham began to continue to speak uh, in his ministry. You know well, he, it says that it has been said that he has reached over 200 million people with the gospel of, of Jesus, and maybe even perhaps more due to technology. But Chuck later, watch this, Chuck uh, later described himself as an agnostic. How did he go from being a, an evangelist on fire who traveled with Billy Graham to being an agnostic? Well, you know, an agnostic, you know, is one who doesn't believe uh, in, in, in a personal God anymore. They were two friends. 
At the very end of their lives, we see such a stark contrast. One who was very intellectual about Jesus Christ, he went to Princeton Seminary, and he began to not believe the Bible. He began to believe that the Bible wasn't all true. He began to question the Bible. He began to question things like creations. And so he asked Billy Graham, he said, Billy Graham, uh, what do you think about creation? Don't you believe in evolution? And, uh, you know, how, how can this be true? And Billy Graham said, you know, there, there are people that are smarter than I, but, but I want to trust God and take him at his word. And he's done that. And so Billy Graham took God at his word all of his life, never doubted. And so God blessed him, but, but Templeton uh, didn't. He, he began to waver, began to fade. Uh, and so it was, it was very sad to see him go down that road. I want, to, I want to encourage you to not doubt, to not doubt the Word of God, to not doubt His love for you. There was an atheist that actually turned, uh, turned to into a Christian. He was a famous journalist, worked, worked for the Chicago Tribune one time. His name is Lee Strobel. Maybe you know of him. He wrote the book called The Case for Faith and The Case for Christ and The Case for Creation. So he was an atheist at one time, but he turned to Christianity. And so he had a chance to interview Templeton. Uh, Chuck Templeton, at the end of his life, 80 years old, he, Alzheimer's was setting in to Chuck, and so he was talking to him, lots of topics. So he finally uh, came back around to the topic of Jesus. And he said, Chuck, um, tell me about this Jesus uh, you once knew. And t- tell me about how you think about him now, you know. So they began to go on, and he talked about how Jesus was a great man and, and the best, best scholar he ever knew and the best, uh, the best moral man, the best moral teacher he'd ever known. And then he paused for a moment, and, uh, and Lieb was looking at him, and he noticed that he got choked up a little bit, and he kind of lost his words, and he said, I miss him. I miss him. So at that moment, Chuck was saying to, to, to uh, Lee, hey, you know, this Jesus, I miss him so much. And here we have two separate men, Billy Graham, the pinnacle of ministry, and we have Chuck Templeton, who just kind of they took two different ro- uh, routes in life. I, I challenge you to, to not take that route, to take the route that doesn't un- waver with the Word of God. The Word of God must be your foundation uh, in living life. There's a passage in the, the book of Hebrews that addresses this. In chapter 3, it says this, Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an, uh, an evil, unbelieving heart, that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. Did you hear that? As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses, with whom God was angry for 40 years? Wasn't it those who sinned, whose bodies uh, fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because why? Of unbelief. You see, God is pleased with our prayers. He's pleased with our words. He's pleased by our actions, with our righteousness. And finally, he is pleased by our having a relationship with his son. God knows us. God wants to know us. In John 17, 2 through 3, it says this, This is eternal life, that they may know the only true God and the one you have sent, who? Jesus Christ. That they may know. God wants us to know him. 
Now, my marriage of almost 24 years has been a process of getting to know my wife. I'm still getting to know her. She becomes more beautiful and beautiful to me every day. But I have to get to know her. I must take the time to get to know my wife. Just like we must take the time to get to know God. Well, how do we get to know God? Well, I bet you're thinking that I'm going to say you read your Bible, you pray, you go to church, and you be a good Christian. No, that's just the outward actions. God is concerned more with your heart. I hope you hear this. How is your heart right now? Where are you with, with God? Why are you reading the Bible? Are, are you reading it just to check off a box? Yep, I've read my Bible. I've read my Bible in a year. I did my devotion this morning. Check. I've checked that off. Are, are you wanting to see the glory of God displayed in his works in creation, in the history of the Bible, and how he has redeemed man from cover to cover? This is the glory of God. Are you wanting to see that from Scripture? Are you seeking truth for your life? God, guide me. I want to read this not because it's a good story, because, God, there's wisdom in here. And I want you to guide me, God. Are you reading that uh, for that purpose? Are you wanting to see the salvation of other people? Are you living your life in such a way that God calls you to live? Are you wanting to walk with people in fellowship uh, and struggle with them through, through cancer, through divorce, through a wayward child or an angry spouse? Or are you just wanting to go to church? God wants you to understand, he wants, you to have, wants us to have a relationship with him. We can't just go through the motions, church. We can't just go through the motions that will never fly in God's house. God wants us to, to have a relationship with him. To have a sense of who God is, how he is pleased with us, really opens up a ton of possibilities of having a true relationship with God. God is pl most pleased with us when we're living according to his will. We give God pleasure when we live according to his will. And we hurt God when we sin, when we turn away from him, when we fade away. And to be honest, with the coronavirus, I've seen a lot of folks fade away. And I pray for those folks that they would come back and they would not harden their hearts. and They would not be hardened by the deception of sin or fear. God wants us to have a relationship with him and to be in fellowship together. He wants us to love him, and he's pleased by that. It pleases God to do that. And so I want to encourage you that wherever you are right now, if you're listening, you're watching, and, and you're just kind of scratching your head and wondering, okay, God, where is this going? Where is this going to end? Where is this coronavirus taking us? Where is uh, our president taking us? Where is this world going? Well, one thing's for sure. If you know Jesus, you know the end of the story. You know that God has you. So why is there a need to fear anything else? If you don't know that, you can know today. Re get on your knees and say, God, I need to know you. I need to know you like I've never known you before. Lord, this pandemic has really thrown me for a loop, and it's really thrown me off my rocker. God, I need to be, get back with you. God, I hear you. Maybe there's something in your life that's not right. Maybe, you, maybe you're receiving the, the discipline of God right now. God says, I love you so much. I want you to come back to me. Would you listen to him? Would you listen to come back to God? He wants you to be right with him. First and foremost, above anything else in your life, doesn't matter what you got, doesn't matter what you have, or what you're going to have, or what you want, 
God says, I'm the most important thing. Is that a reality in your life? Is God the most important thing? Or something else taking the throne? Are you distracted by something else? Have you been distracted by something else? What about your attitude? Are you bitter? Are you mad? God wants you to have joy in the Holy Spirit. He wants you to understand that he's for you. He is pleased with you if you do things according to his will, that you pray to him. It's like the bowls of the incense of heaven. He loves you so much. Are you living rightly before him, the righteous acts? Are you, is he, the God, God is looking throughout the whole earth to see if you're living for him. Is his gaze going to be turned towards, towards you because of the way you're living? Or is his gaze going to be turned away? Is he going to go over and say, nope, that person's not committed like, like this other person is over here. I want to be the one that's committed. I want to be the one that captures the gaze of God because why? I'm living my life for Christ and Christ is all that matters. doesn't matter about anything else. Jesus matters the most. Can you say that? God wants you to say that. God wants you to get to know him. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now. We ask, Lord, you would allow us to get to know you more and more every day, Lord. Forgive us of our sin. Help us to live rightly before you, Lord, and to pray sincere prayers, God. Forgive us, God, for going through the motions and treating church as just something we check off, Lord. We want to get back to the fellowship and to walk with you and to walk in fellowship with other people because they've got real hurts, real struggles, God. But you have an answer, and that answer is in your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. The hope of eternal life, God. There's no, nothing else that's found greater in you, Lord Jesus. So we pray for those who are hurting right now, Lord. Bless them. Give them peace that passes all understanding and through a right relationship with you. We love you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. We ask these things in your name. Amen.